0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's version of the Lockdown with T-Cub and the Ballhawk. Uh-huh. Ah! Hi, Penny Hawk in the building. Special guest, <laughs> the man, the myth, the all-star, yeah. the All-American, the retired jersey number 72 in your hearts, Ray Roberts. What up, family?
1: What's up, man? I, I like uh, the Ballhawk call. Me and uh, my roommate Jason Wallace back in the day, we had little call like that, like around campus, and I would give him a ha-ha, ha-ha. <laughs> He would give me the ha-ha. Outstanding, outstanding. That's good, business. That's good business. How you been, family? I've been all right, man, out here in the Pacific Northwest uh, where all that COVID stuff really kind of got kicked off and uh, was really scary for a little bit. Um, but just trying to navigate, you know, all that stuff with a, a kid that's going to be a 10th grader and then Slade is finishing his four, his fourth year at UVA. So mm-hmm. just trying to figure out the whole school thing and that whole rhythm. And, you know, my work uh, with Special Olympics, I travel quite a bit, so I haven't been able to travel because of it. So uh, lots and lots of Zoom calls, uh, a kind of a Zoom and Pivot mm-hmm. are two of the words that if I never hear
2: again,
1: <laughs> uh, the rest of my life, I think i would be all right.
0: And as I'm on the road, Hawk, I'm taking it on the road today, trying to make it do what it do. Um, But, yeah, let's let's rewind the tape, Ray. Uh, 1989, you know, uh, you decide, coming out of Asheville, North Carolina, you know, what made you decide to come to the University of Virginia?
1: Man, that's an interesting story. Um, My high school football coach had coached with Coach Wilmer, at James Madison at one mm. point, and uh, and so Virginia wasn't really on to me, but I had verbally committed to Tennessee, and um, and so then Coach Wilmer came, watched me play basketball, and then said, uh, "Man, we want you to come visit." And so I'm just like, "Yeah, okay." I didn't even know anything <laughs> about UVA, you know. I come to UVA Cub, and this is your first year. Yep. You guys yep. lost to William and Mary. Yep. And I was just like. I'm thinking to myself, like, hmm, I can go to Tennessee and, like, sit around for a couple of years and get some time here and there to become a starter for a couple of years. I come up here and play, like, right away. <laughs> 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 so, um, on our ride home, uh, well, I'll well, I, I back up. I also met you. I met uh, Derek Boyd, was, like, my official host. And then Sean, like, you guys, the three of you guys, like, the mentality that you guys had was so different than the mentality of the dudes I was hanging out with when I would go to visit Tennessee. And it just fit my personality better. Like it just, I just, my personality just didn't really fit in with Tennessee. It's just that Tennessee was Tennessee. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Right. And so that's where I wanted right. to go. But once I, once we left Charlottesville and we got to about Lynchburg, me and my dad were talking and I said, man, I think I'm going to change my mind and go to Virginia. My dad pulled over. It's like, What? Well, you're going to go to Virginia they just lost to Women's We just came from the Auburn, Tennessee game. Like, I'm like, yeah, but dad, like my personality just fits better up there. Like the dudes I met was just like more down to earth and about more than just the football thing. Uh, the, the football department itself gave me more literature about the academics than Tennessee ever did. And, uh, and so uh, it just kind of sealed the deal for me. Uh, that that's, that's the place where I needed to be for my, my the way my personality is and, and then meeting you and Sean and, Derek Boyd just kind of sealed the deal. Yeah,
0: because, you know, I think for us, man, you know, when we we, we came in, uh, it, it kind of just changed the whole dynamic of, what, of the UVA student athlete, you know, yeah. and um, we all had a chip on our shoulder. We were like, yeah, we know what y'all used to, but that is, that's not what we're about. So we just needed to get some more dogs in here with us. Yeah. Um, and I remember when you left on your visit, the three of us told he's like, yo, we gotta get him. <laughs> we gotta get him for real. Because we, we knew you had you had that it thing that people if you can't put your finger on it, but yeah. you know you got it. And yeah. uh I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that that's that dog mentality. We gotta we gotta get that one.
1: So well that you know the other thing that so really yeah, helped so too, you, Cove, you the other thing that really helped too is just having somebody from North Carolina there too. You know what mm, I'm saying? Like yes. like when, when I got there you were there and then like Derek Boyd was there. Then we got Tyrone. Like, there's something about like the being connected to the dudes from North Carolina that was at Virginia. Uh, that made a that made a big difference for me too. At Tennessee, dudes are from every, all over the place, and so you didn't really feel like you were connected to anybody. But right. you know, coming into Charlottesville, uh, UVA, and then all the dudes that were from North Carolina that were on the team, that just that made a huge difference uh, for me. And then, uh, and then, like you said, like it really was a matter of just compiling all of the right dogs, as you, as you put it. And it came to like the perfect timing at UVA where like the other thing that was really cool too, is that when I would visit other schools, like bigger name football schools, like you can feel like the little clicks, you know, and everybody's Mm -hmm. talking about that person or that guy, he, and and I'm gonna take his job and not all this other kind of stuff. And at UVA, man, it was just like this, like everybody like this. And uh and offense poor for defense, defense poor for offense, and uh and that, that all mattered to me. Uh I'm a people person, dude. And and if, if the if the people don't have the energy, then I can't roll with you. And UVA, yeah, that for real. Facts, facts. So then you come and, and mind you, you come and
0: defensive linemen is where yeah. you start out. And so then you are on the defensive side of the ball, and you're like, okay, wait a minute, what what what's the deal? What's the deal? So they see the talent, they saw the aggression, you know. We're like, yo, that's a, that's a big ass defensive lineman. <laughs> all of them, all of them, like, and, and then they're like, all right, look, we want you to work at offensive tackle. What what happened when they told you that?
1: Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, d- <laughs> come. <laughs> <laughs> so we go on. Um, you know, I had worked my way up to like second team. I was I was backing up Craig Merton on defensive end. You know, the little Craig was. Yeah. Like, dog, I should be the starter. And so we go to play. We go to play Georgia, and um, Coach Welsh and and uh, Coach Wilma came to my room. It's like we're not going to play tomorrow because uh, we want to redshirt you. Want to get you a little bit stronger and stuff like that. So I'm almost frustrated because I'm like, damn, I busted my butt to get to to get some playing time. Now I'm not even going to get to play. And uh and so that's when it all started, Cub. It was uh, as soon as they made the decision to redshirt me, the move to offensive tackle was already in the works. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as we get to like spring uh before we go on spring break, I'm already I'm getting ready to come back, you know, I'm doing my defensive thing, get back into like all this whisper going around the locker room, like, Oh man, I heard they move you to offense. I'm like, no, nah, they ain't move me to offense. And they they <laughs> tell me defense. like what what are you talking about? <laughs> and then and then also uh, when the scouts were there watching Lagerman and Griggs and everybody, this one dude from Buffalo came past me as, when I was playing defense, and he said, "Dude, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be the first million-dollar defensive lineman in the NFL." So mm. now I'm like really locked in. Like oh, shit, I'm, like, this dude, Coach Bruce Smith. Like you know what I'm right. saying? Like so, right. it's about to be on. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so, the, Coach Welsh calls me to the office after the first meeting before spring practice. Oh, we're gonna try you out at. An offensive tackle. Cuz kind of. I damn near tore his room up. I went, I went to, I went to my dorm room, tore my room up. Like Dang. I just, like Jason didn't know what to do. You know, Jason, like all 155 pounds. <laughs> he like this joker, like tearing the room up, flipping the beds. Like, dude, I was so angry. Like, I didn't know what to do with all this anger. And so Jason, somebody called my dad and told my dad that I was like tripping out about moving the tackle, right? So the first couple of practices, dude, I was doing everything to mess up, going the wrong way, letting people get past me, like all oh. kind of stuff. Go home from practice as a 1969 Grand Prix, mm. go with a black vinyl top, sitting in the fire door and right beside Ooh. the house. I'm like, oh, that's the Grand Prix. What is my dad <laughs> doing here? You know. I go in, my dad ripped me a new one, dude. Like, hey, you told them you come here to play. I don't care where they put you. You're going to play wherever they put you. And you know what, Cuff? That was the end of that. You know what right, I'm right. saying? Like, my dad drove six hours to talk to me for 15 minutes and then turned around and went back home. And then wow. that was the end of it. Like, there was no right. more discussion. It was just right. like, you're going to be an offensive lineman, so just shut up and go do it. And then from that point <laughs> on, I was, I was all in to do what I had to do.
0: I mean, little did you know that from that point on, you become one of the most decorated and dominant offensive linemen in the
1: history of UVA. Right, <laughs> like, like Cub. Kind of, I remember th- this is the turning point. Like, I we had a play because Chris Warren was in, um, was in the was with us that spring because he's trying to get back in school. And they had this play where the tight end blocked down. I pull around. Chris is behind me, and I got to take on the outside linebacker. But the outside linebacker was Ray Savage. Oof. So I came around the corner. This dude put all the wood on me, wop, and like just put me on my butt, dude. Like, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Like, okay, like that's what this is all about. Like, let me figure this <laughs> out because that that can't happen. That yeah. can't happen ever again. <laughs> you know what I'm from from that point on, I'm like, I'm getting them before they get me. So Griggs, right. Lockerman, all of them. I was like, I was just like, and then then I, you know, me, I fought everybody. And like, right. they called me to the <laughs> office, and uh, Coach Walsh was like, "Dude." Why are you fighting everybody? Like you just fight all the time. I'm like, you say I'm it was like, his fault. You should be like, coach, it's your fault. <laughs> I know, right? me <laughs> <He kept laughs> on like, defense. Coach, <laughs> coach Wimmer always told me, "Don't let them get the last push." And so I'm like, okay. So Hit when I was the on, mouth. they push me last, I push him back. When I was on the offense, I'm trying to get the last push, and yeah. they push me, and I push him back, and so then we just start fighting. And so it just that just became part of how I play, my man.
3: Yo, so yeah, it's, dude, but it's a, it, it it's a couple big. things that jump out to me. Before we, before we move on to the to the next little tidbit, Ray was a basketball player. Every football player was a basketball player, guys. So get used to it. And yeah. he was a defensive lineman. If a scout tell you you' are gonna be the first million dollar, first of all, Ray, who did all the talking, Wilmer or Coach Welsh? When they came to you before that game and said we're gonna raid church, it was it?
1: <laughs> oh, that. Was, no, hey, Ray, Coach, sit down. Coach, <laughs> Ralph, didn't, Coach <laughs> Ralph didn't say much of anything. Coach <laughs> Rimmer was. Coach Rimmer was angry, like he was trying to tell me what was because he wanted to keep me on defense. Yeah. And uh, and so the long story short of it is, the person to really blame is Terry Kirby. Oh. Uh, because I, I asked Coach Rimmer one day, like, dude, how did the conversation ever come up to move me to offensive tackle? Uh-huh. And he's like, well, we're we're recruiting Terry Kirby. We're all in the van. And Coach Wells said, if we're gonna have an all-American running back, we need an all-American offensive lineman, Ray Roberts. And that's how it and, and that's how it all started. That's how wow.
3: that
1: started. And so I always blame Terry Kirby that I don't have the sack record. <laughs> <laughs> wow. the, the, damn the Terry
3: murderers. Kirby. Damn you. Wow. Christ Ray, would you stop fighting?
1: <laughs> oh dude, he jump, uh, uh knows the, the story. Like, I took on the whole offensive line when I was on defense was the second scrimmage of my first year. They couldn't block me, so they're trying to set me up to like trap me and stuff. That uh, wasn't happening either. And so I got into a fight with the whole deep offensive line. Tim, uh, what's his name? Uh, shoot, I forgot his name. But anyway, Coach Welsh jumped on my back.
3: Yeah, I heard about that story. He hit
1: me with his hat, like <laughs> Robert, stop, Robert. So. So he kicks me out of practice, right? Christ, I didn't know. Like, I'm thinking, like, damn, does that mean, like, I just lost my scholarship? Like, he just kicked me out of practice. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I waited for, like, about four or five plays. I tried to run the b- job back out there. He's like, Christ, take your ass to the locker room. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, like, I'm going to call my dad and tell him I just got kicked off the football team. Like, and that, like, that would be an ass kicking just waiting to happen. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And so I was just like, I had no idea what had happened. And then Coach Wimmer had talked to Jason and Tyrone, and they came and talked to me about like, man, like they just need to cut out some of that fighting. Stuff.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm just like, dude. oh, you know,
3: Wimmer loved it though. Wimmer yeah. loved
1: it. Yeah, and so, uh, so yeah, I was, I thought that he had taken my scholarship, dude, kicked me off the man. field twice.
3: Coach Wells, we need you the offensive line. <laughs> what is your, what is your move off the ball, Ray? Are you a ball rusher? Do you swim? <laughs> you run the hoop? <laughs>
1: I, I used to swim moving my long arms on defense and yeah then, uh, that the that was the other thing too is um, Neil Smith at the time mm. had the longest measured wingspan in college football at Nebraska and so coach Welsh came and measured my wingspan and my wingspan was like about an inch longer than his and so then he was using that to build a case that could be a good pass blocker mm-hmm. I'm like but Neil Smith plays defense <laughs> <laughs> Like like you compare me to the dude that plays defense. Like I want to do what he's doing, you know. Mm -mm. And uh, but it didn't work. And then, but it was it was a great move. You know, I think I could have played in the league at defensive line, but I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have elevated my game as much as I did on offense. The aggressiveness Mm -hmm. really helped me uh, be a better offensive lineman. And then the athletic ability I had was, uh, you know, complemented it really well.
3: Yeah, every time I hear somebody yeah, say you, 1989, you, you know what I you know what I think about fight the power of public enemy.
1: Oh yeah, do the right <laughs>
3: thing. 1989's <No, laughs> yeah. a number. Another <laughs> summer.
1: Well, you know that you know that's when uh that's when Jesse Jackson was trying to boycott Nike. And we had mm-hmm. just kind of got to our Nike come up. And because you know we went through the Pumas. Oh, Lord. First, let's talk about them
0: damn velcro,
1: uh, the velcro pumas. Oh, no, let's great. talk about that. I'm trying
3: to talk about some puma. We came oh. when I came to
1: UVA, we were a straight up pumas, huh? Puma, puma. Bro,
0: it was trash, it was,
1: it was trash, trash, dude. Like, we didn't have any kind of continental shoe deal or nothing. We were straight oh. puma, and then not funny, we,
0: but puma, though.
1: We tried to do the Nike thing, and then and then uh, uh, uh. Jesse Jesse was uh, boycotting Nike, trying to get us to cover up the Nike swoosh or take the Nike swoosh off. We're like, nah, bro. Like, <laughs> nah. Uh-uh. <ain't laughs> <having it. laughs>
0: we, we work hard to get these damn Nike. Speak for yourself, know, Jesse. <laughs>
1: right? And then we were trying. Remember we were trying to wear the black ones, cub. And and yes. uh, Coach Welsh was like, oh, Christ, you got to be really good to wear black. We fought
0: like hell. We finally got them joints, though. Hey, Ray, <laughs> if you want to wear black, you got to play offense.
1: <laughs> That's the deal. supposed to go for all the, all the little, little uniform changes and stuff. Hey, That's Tony, you know, like, if you're going to wear black,
3: long
0: you got to be good. Right. Right.
1: right. Um, all right, go ahead.
3: Go ahead, Cub. I got a sidetrack. You know how I do. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, so, you know, let, let's talk about the mentality that you were talking about, that aggressive. Fighting type of mentality. I think what that did though, it it changed the dynamic of the dudes up front. Y'all had some horses behind you, you know, and then you, Bussari, Trevor Ralph, Paul Collins, and Chris Stearns, bro. Y- y'all made for a formidable, formidable
1: offensive line, bro. Well, you know what I liked about those dudes, Cove? <clears throat> That There's no fear. Yeah. Like I've, I've played on a lot of offensive lines and I've, and I've played with some great individual players, but just from a whole offensive line, like our whole offensive line room. And, you know, Obi was our offensive line coach at the time. Uh, there was just no – there was no, no quit and no fear in those dudes. And so, like right. Basari and Trevor, you know, Stearns, those dudes weren't the most athletic dudes in the world. But, man, if you wanted to get in the trench and go to war and put your back against yep. somebody else's back and just fight your way out, those are those yep. are the dudes you'd call on because they were they yeah. just like, what? Like, they don't, even, they don't even ask questions. We fighting? Okay, like, I'm in. Right. And so that's, right. What made the, that's what made that offensive line so awesome. It's like, we're just like, you know, bring on Clemson. Bring on, like, yeah. you know, all those those schools that were saying that we couldn't roll with them anymore and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there never once did anyone, you know, have any fear. And then you know how those dudes are they also keep it light, <laughs> you know? Like, right. Some of the funniest dudes you've ever met in your life, you know? And so we done we did some crazy stuff. But uh, I love those dudes. Always, I always make sure every year that I let people know that is the best offensive line I've ever played on, just from, like, the way we connected, the production yeah. we had, uh, just the physicality of how we played, the no-nonsense kind of way we did stuff. It was just – it was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, you know, and it was for us. I tell people all the time too, Ray – is that we were all so connected man black white we rolled everywhere with each other man you know and so it was like it was nothing to just you you're right jumping to what something something going down i don't care what color you are you you that's that's, these my dogs you know what i'm saying yeah and that that was so different at uva man and so we it was just like that trend started and so then you get guys Coming in, they're like, okay, I see what they're building here at UVA. This mm-hmm. this is not the UVA of old. This is definitely a different kind of mentality, man. And it started with guys like yourself, um, you know, uh, up front. And, and Virginia has been missing that for a number of years, yeah. um, you know, on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, And I, Bronco and, and 2J are, are doing a great job of, of recruiting the numbers that are needed Uh, You, you, again, you speak to how you have talked and worked with, with the, uh, with some of the offensive line and and your influence on them.
1: Yeah. So I, when I came, uh, visited the coaching staff for the first time, um, the person that I really just connected with was 2J and uh, he and I sat in his, in his uh, film room and we just watched film. We're just two old line heads, just watching film, talking about players, talking about plays, techniques all that kind of stuff. And I just really connected with like, even his kind of, uh, you know, tough guy mentality and how he approaches things. Like he, he tries to coach toughness because he wants the guys to be tough. And uh, and so I, I liked that about him. And so then I just asked him, uh, you know, I just wanted to figure out a way to give back without it being like, you know, some big, you know, story or anything. And so I said, can I make these little videos to send to the guys just to kind of encourage them? And I thought it'd just be a one-time gig. Uh, but I started doing them and I'd send them one right after the game and then I'd send them one halfway through the week and so most of them are about sometimes it's about like how to just live your life better how to set goals how to be a good citizen be a good brother friend student whatever it is And other times it's just about the mentality like obviously I don't know their place so I can't tell them like when to down block or pull or all that stuff but I can tell them about the mentality that they need like like this dog kind of mentality like like the last thing that we finished with last year was like protecting your grass, and your grass is that two yards, you know, over the ball, and so that means right. that the defense is standing on your grass, and so like you have to go protect your grass, and so if you if you go protect your grass, then we're gaining yards, right? Because that means that my heels are across the line of scrimmage, I'm in your territory, I've displaced you by at least half a yard. So I so if we get if we get a running game going, you know, the running back has something to deal with. So. Uh, I enjoy doing it. They enjoy getting it from me, um, and I do them from everywhere. Like I travel a lot, I do them from a hotel room. I do them like I did one after I just given a talk. I was still standing at the podium, did it, recorded it for them, send it to them. I created like a little YouTube uh, private YouTube page where I can post them to, and they can watch them. And uh, I just really enjoy doing that. But the mindset, dude, like this idea, this low hard meaning nasty. That's the way mm. I look at it. Yes. So if, if you ain't coming with that then you just in the wrong, like I even challenged them. I'm like, if, if that's not your mentality, you need to get out of the room. Like, hmm. seriously, if that's, if that's not the coach's mentality, if that's not the uh, a player's mentality, if you're, if your back shoulders aren't big enough to carry the weight of, of that, then you're just in the wrong room, you know? And so yeah. you're not up for that low, hard, man, and nasty part. And I'm, I'm talking about nasty, nasty. nasty. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, not just pretend nasty. <laughs> yeah. You're just in the wrong place.
3: And, and Ray, the, the, to stay on that, on that track of, of, you know, that mindset, low, hard, and nasty, a lot of times our fans feel like this scheme doesn't allow offensive linemen to fire off. You being a former offensive lineman, knowing the offenses you played in like from here and then when you went to Detroit and you, you know, played with Barry, but it was also wow. like spread wide open to throw the ball as well. What is your opinion as far as a lineman getting in the groove? Is that more ment- mentally? Or do they really need to fire off a couple plays to get nah, into the
1: group? Dude, I'm just going to tell you, like, uh, if, if I don't get to fire off and hit somebody, then we ain't playing football. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And when yeah. you grow up playing football, you grow up wanting to, like, smash people, like, whether well, you're on either side of the ball. And so the thing that I see with our offense is that at the time, I don't know if, if, if they had the numbers of guys that could mm-hmm. really just drive people off the ball. You know, what I'm saying? Right. so whether they're young dudes or they're just haven't grown into their body or maybe they're not athletic enough to do that. Uh, and so they you see them doing a whole lot of position blocking and position yeah. blocking doesn't allow you to then just drive people downhill. You got to use some misdirection or you're stretching people run the quarterback trying to outrun people to the corner. It's just hard to run between the tackles. It's kind of like though. Remember, uh, Cove, like the run and shoot. So the run and yeah. shoot, you threw the ball a lot and all the run plays were kind of like draw plays. And so yep. you just kinda, you're just kind of walling people off. You're not really mm. drop-blocking people. Right, And right. with the way that they say that they want to run the ball and the types of running backs that they've gotten, the pressure to me this year is going to be on 2J in an offensive line room uh, because they're going to have to create some – they're going to have to create lanes for people to run so that they yeah. can get into a rhythm with the running backs. But if, if you're making a cut as soon as you get the ball, and no one's getting any kind of rhythm, you know. And then right. they're going to have to also – protect better because as, as well as uh Armstrong is he's not he's not uh Bryce Perkins you know what i'm right. saying so right. there, it's going to be a lot of pressure they they're recruiting good but there's going to be some dudes that are there right now that need to show up and and play some man football you know up right front. right
0: yeah if you ain't about that power stepping up then you you're going to be you're going to struggle
1: yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean like to me that's where i always wanted to be as offensive lineman. like put the pressure on me Make, right. I have to make a block so Barry can get a first down. I got to keep the dude out so that Charlie Batch or Scott Mitchell can get the ball to Herman or Johnny Morton or Brett Perriman. Like, like I have to do that or, or we're not going to succeed. Like I love yeah. that type of pressure as an offensive lineman. Uh, you just love to have the weight of the game on your shoulders. And right. the only way that comes though, is you got to have unbelievable confidence. I don't know that the offensive line has that type of confidence yet to where they're just going, I don't care who, who the hell you line up across from me. It doesn't even matter. They, they still get caught up into the names on the jerseys or a person that has like accolades or something like that versus just saying like, you dude, I don't care who you are. You're just a cardboard cutout. I'm about to wear your ass out, you know, one way (laughs) or the other. So I think when they get to that mentality, I think the running game and that type of stuff would be better. But do you think we have dogs that have that kind of mentality, though? I think they're getting dogs.
0: Because there's okay. some
1: dudes that want to do it. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? There's some dudes that, like, like, they get all juiced up and jacked up, and, they're, and you can sit in them. But then when the ball snap, they go like, oh, well, wait a minute. Like, I'm not supposed to be able to block him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And right. And that's, that's when you start to fail. But we don't, have, we don't have as many dogs that are just, like, come hella high water. I'm busting someone's ass. Like, right. you know, what I'm saying, like, yeah. I used to, I used to block the entire game just to get one pancake, and then once I got <laughs> one pancake, oh, I'm gonna keep blocking to get the next one. So I don't care if it's the fourth quarter and we're down by 14, I'm still trying to get that freaking, that that right. pancake. You know what right. I'm saying? And so you, I do. Yeah. So that means that every play, you're trying to get them. You're trying to get your guy. You know, and uh, I did this talk with uh with with the O line uh, once before. It's called a got man. You mm-hmm. either got him or you didn't got him. And so right. it's not that's my English isn't messed up. That's just how yeah. it is. Like and so and so when you watch film, if your guy is anywhere in the picture on the tackle, you didn't get him.
0: Hmm. Right. You didn't
1: got him. You know what I'm saying? If he's not in right. the picture, you got him. And like that's that's how that's how we at at Seattle when uh Chris Warren was like rolling people up at uh leading the AFC and Russian, we couldn't pass block to save our damn lives. Like <laughs> we weren't pass blocking no damn body. <laughs> But we ran the hell out of the football. You know what I'm saying? And so that was our mentality. You either got him or you didn't got him. We would literally <laughs> grade ourselves that way. You just go right down the line. Got him, didn't got him, got him, didn't got him. You want, you want more got hims than didn't.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> got him. Got him. Got him. Screaming <laughs> it again. Got him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, why yeah. are you cutting back? I yeah. had him. God dang it. I know it, right? Yeah. Hey, Barry, I got, why you cutting back I all got over a, here? I got an energy.
3: No, that's uh, what we want to hear. Right.
0: Alright, so Yoda says, "Do or do not do. There is no try." Ooh, do Absolutely. or do
3: not do. There is no try.
0: There yep. is no try.
1: Yep. I like that. You know, that's what that's what made um, <clears throat> Nike back in the day when they had uh, "Just Do It."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
1: was like one of the most popular uh, marketing taglines ever because it was so crystal clear. It wasn't yeah, right. like. I'm going to try or not try or whatever. It was just, just do it. Just do it. Yep. You know, and, and, uh, and so it's the same as the Yoda, you know, the Yoda quote, it's like, it's not about trying, just, just do. Do. That's right. uh, Play it and simple. Play it and simple. And and I I think, you know, with, with, what we have with the football team right now at UVA, I think they are building something special. I'm not going to lie. I was like really skeptical at first, you know, just like don't know if I was buying into everything that was going on and, uh, right. All the skill before will, or will before skill, or whatever it will was he said, and then yeah. all the earning your jersey and earning the colors of practice and all that. Like that's, I'm just like, dude, like we just need a football coach, <laughs> you know? Right. And, right. Uh, and uh, but I like the way the guys have rallied around whatever it is that Broncos bringing mm-hmm. to the right. table. Uh, I do believe like he had a, a good assessment of the program that a lot of guys were just like in serious doubt of themselves. Uh, yeah. You know, low confidence, you know, when he got there. And he's found a way with his methods and, and style of doing things to to uh, recoup a lot of that. And now they're focusing on the recruiting part of it. So uh, I'm pretty pleased with what they are. Um, you know, obviously, like, I love 2J. Uh, the offensive coordinator or of night, like, eh. Uh, I don't know. Oh no,
3: man. this Hey, hey, whoa. Time out. <laughs> this, uh, hey, this is Cub and Ball Hall platform. We ain't going to let you – uh, straddle the
1: fence. What do you mean by him? Go ahead. Talk about it. <laughs> Talk just, about I, it. I'm not a – I'm just not a big fan of his, man. Like, I, I don't like the way um, – like, I guess the, the one – I don't like the play caller, first of all. It just seems like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, uh, Bryce Perkins saved this dude a ton of times just yeah. off his pure athleticism and will and everything that Bryce was, which is amazing. Um, but there was – after the one of the Virginia Tech games – and uh they were asking him about something on offense and he said something to the point that well i can't i can't out call the offensive the offensive lines poor play or something like that and so i'm just like wow well, that like was the first year when a we got dudes blown dudes out down the there like that
3: huh yeah. that was the first year when we got blown out down there we played three different quarterbacks
1: yeah and i was yeah. just like I'm like, I'm like, dude, like this is not the league, like where you can just call dudes out. These are like young dudes, and like now you're gonna have everybody from that point on. Just did not buy into him at all, dude. Like he just seems like he's kind of a jerk, kind of a dude, and uh, I don't, I don't think that he's. You know, people will say, well, look what Bryce Perkins did. It's like, well, shit. If Bryce didn't do it, like we, we've been (laughs) one of the worst teams in the league in the freaking country. So he had no choice but to. You know, he was just lucky. And he had Bryce Perkins. He wanted to live. Yeah, exactly, you know. And uh, so that dude just made unbelievable play after play after play. A lot of times had nothing to do with the play call, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I, right. I don't like his approach to the players. I don't I don't like his approach to, to calling plays. And uh, and just, I don't know, his his personality just doesn't mesh with mine. I don't know. He's like one of those dudes yeah. that, like, I, I'd probably, you know, have to go down the other hallway if I saw him coming. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have a whole lot of nice things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Words. I feel that. I you feel know what that. I'm saying? Like, ain't that. trying to beat the coach down
3: and up at uh, McHugh Center. You know. No, I feel you, Because I mean, talking yeah. with Cub all the time and talking with various other former players, I think the hardest thing with with Coach and I, I call him Doctor Bob, is you don't understand the rhythm or the method to the madness as far as his play calling right? And, and things like that, like offensive line may struggle, but then you max protect and now you ain't got only got three threats. So you really put everybody in the bomb because it's mm. easy to cover. And it's, it's so many things that we can see, like, damn, we see the deficiencies in which like the offensive line early on, what right. you can kind of do to help them. It was like, bro, are you just mm-hmm. like, do you see something we don't in them <laughs> yeah. and you wanted to come right. out or right. are you just like, damn it, do it my way or you won't beat it? Because I remember the pit game and Cub would tell you, dude, I've never seen nobody switch offensive line like from right oh, yeah. tackle to left guard. Yeah. I was like, Cub, what the hell is going on? Like,
1: yeah, not versus <laughs> this team. And, and also, <laughs> like, that's why, like, right. somebody was talking about with what what the transfer quarterback that's coming in and but Armstrong, like, oh, you can alternate a nah, mob, bro. That's key. That, that system never works. No. If you have two you quarterbacks, Eastbury, don't yeah. have any quarterbacks. <laughs> and then the, the thing that, like, would get me, though, is, like, remember when they used to bring Joe Reed in motion and then he would get into the backfield and they'd hand him the ball? Like, oh, I'm like, okay, like, after the second time, you like, yeah. oh, coming. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but they never had, like, play action off of it. No. No. Just like, we're going to keep doing it until it works. And if it doesn't work, we're going to keep doing it. I'm like, well, then... Like run like a little quick like something. Like yeah. there was just yeah. never it just seems like the play calling was like at a buffet line. You know, you had a buffet line, you'd be like, Oh, let me try some of these ribs, let me try some chicken, let me try some but it wasn't like a, a full course meal where you're like, Oh, I'm gonna get my appetizer, then I'm gonna get my entree, I'm gonna get my dessert. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just like you're just you're just grabbing at stuff. That's what the office yeah. always was like. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Yeah. There's no there's no setup there's no setup to the plays to your point we would always say all right they they going to do something off this ooh you know what if they do that the team is adjusting so now we do something and, and yep. it never happened it never yeah. happened and we, 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 well, i was like okay i'm i'm a bit flummoxed because i i, I don't understand <laughs> what, you <just> said, what <laughs> word was that what word was that again flummoxed i was ooh, flummoxed when you go to school <laughs> sat <laughs> word that's an sat word dog come on dog i flip i flip back on it <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, but Cub, but Cub used to ask me, Cub be like, hey, Hawk, man, we keep doing the same play. They got any counters off this? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I've seen the counter off a of practice, and we if we use it. We got one. Cub be like, Hawk, you must be lying, because we ain't went to that damn counter yet. I'm like, bro, I can't make them run it. <laughs> right? but, right. but Dude, I dead. would be like
1: two inches from the TV, like. That play is not working anymore. Okay, like dude, shoot that little gun. It's like, man, you got you got you had all these sure-handed receivers and stuff, and like yes. you couldn't like hit yes. like I don't know. It just and supposedly some talented running backs, but you were never putting them in a position to to nope. you know nope. you're trying I'm to inside do inside traps. So you don't I'm have an do offensive it. line that can drive dudes off the ball, so you need to do. You may have to do a little trickeration. you know, like yes. show show them one thing, but you're doing another thing, kind of a. Thing. But you can't just say, hey, we're going to run it down your throat and you we, we can't move a dude two inches off the line of scrimmage. That's just not going to work.
0: Yeah. Right. Do you think they're going to have to be able to move people off the line this year to take yeah. some of the pressure off, Brennan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, uh, I've heard Bronco talk about it a few times, that, uh, that the development of the offensive line and the running game is going to have to be really prevalent because, uh, obviously, you know, I can't imagine another player in college football being more of their offense than Bryce was. And I don't think you can get away with that with Armstrong being, you know, right. 85 90% of your offense. Yeah. And, and they've recruited some, it looks like some pretty decent running backs. So we got to start giving them some room. And, you know, when this team is good, when our program is good, we have good quarterback play, yeah. we good running back play. You know what I'm saying? It just, we just always have good running backs. And, uh, and then we also have at least one stud offensive lineman you know and then the, the receiving core since uh, since uh, Biscuit has been there has just been off the charts the way they're just efficiency and catching the all and all that kind of stuff being reliable people uh, receivers. Uh, but the offensive line to me that's where the pressure is this year like 2J has to yeah. turn some of that toughness and that recruiting into development you know, so they can't be the same today right. as they were yesterday and right. uh, and if he can do that, then I think I think we have a chance to keep building something strong.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's like the first offseason, season. No, you know, no turnover, so everybody's returning. So, yeah, you know,
1: that that that's that should that's be a always sign. good, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's always good because then those dudes kind of know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know what they did and what they didn't do. And uh, I'm not gonna lie on those videos, dude. I'd be straight up honest with them. I wasn't like trying to, you know, I'm obviously trying to build them up, but I had to like tell them some real stuff every now and again. <laughs> you just need to hear it, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think just. The development of the offensive line uh, is going to be key, and it's I'm sure it's been difficult with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. But, right. um, but it's something that they, if if that line, if the trench part of the offense doesn't come through, then the offense are going to struggle all year, mm. right? Agreed,
0: agreed. So, <clears throat> coming off, let's get back to 89. Um, you know, you were a starter on that first ACC championship for Virginia, and then you know, rolling into the next two years, uh, yeah, uh three times all ACC, uh all A- all ACC academic, because I think you had some struggles initially in those early years on the academic <laughs> side. Yes, <Yeah. laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so to then be able to flip the script, you know, and folks don't understand that. I mean, people know the it, it, UVA is not your typical academic school. I mean, it it's hard. Yes. It's hard, bro. And um, you know they're gonna give you the tools necessary to help you be successful, but you gotta you gotta put that work in, bro. Oh yeah, that class one, so
1: you know, so so I mean, cub, uh, kind of the thing that's funny is I was just cleaning out some old boxes, <laughs> and I found all my transcripts from UVA, Ooh, okay. and I was just like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> my son was looking at him. He's like, Dad, like, dang, dude, like. What was going on? I'm like, yeah, exactly. What was going on? Like, <laughs> I was, I wasn't really struggling like, because I didn't know like the work. I just had never had to manage my time like that to try mm, to right. figure out practice, when to study for things, trying to get to all the parties. Like, it, I just didn't know how to do it. And you so, heard, you
3: heard him come. He tried to slide in. <laughs> end <to ends>, how <laughs> to get to all the is. parties? Oh, trying try to get, get to all the, the parties.
1: <laughs> you know, you know how it is? Start on Thursday night. Shit, like, a lot. yeah, yeah, Home, home, at home, it, like, you know, I, don't have, I don't have to listen to my dad whistle to bring me in when the street lights come on and all that. Hey, hey man. Ray, The schedule and the party's
3: a part of his <laughs> schedule. But know? I was, man, damn, if it wasn't a nine, party, I was trying
1: seven, to make a party, me and Jason, Study home, nine and nine, 10, something. eat real quick, party. But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing was, um, I went to my faculty advisor and was like, yo, like, I'm struggling. And she's like, yes, you are. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> she was like, she, I was like, well, here's the thing. The one thing I cannot do is be sent home. And hmm. she was like, well, you might be suspended for a semester. I'm like, no, nah, that can't work. And she's like, why? Well, I say, because there's this dude named Ray Roberts Sr. <laughs> he's, he's, he's every bit of six foot four and about 250 pounds of just pure muscle. He ain't having it. So I'll do whatever else I have to do besides go home. And so she was like, all right, for the next spring, I don't know if you remember this, Cove, I couldn't practice. Yeah. Football. So yeah. I, didn't, I, get, I didn't get to practice the whole spring. I had to like, I couldn't yeah. work out with the team, or nothing. And so they gave me this lady that was like a tutor, but more she just kind of helped me get my, my my management, my time management down. And so she would do stuff like she would, if I was supposed to read like so many pages, she would call me and be like, hey, what happened in such and such a chapter between this page?" And if I couldn't tell her, she called Coach Wilmer. And then Ooh. the next morning, I was up at 6 o'clock running the stairs in u Hall. Dang. Like, and I did that twice. And I'm like, all right, let me get this academic thing down because I'm not trying to throw up all over u hall. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. <laughs> it took me two right.
1: times. And then after that, like I had 3.0 like every semester after that. And then that's how I ended up making like the academic all ACC team and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it was uh it was tough sledding, as they would say. Yeah. Yeah, beginning. no doubt.
3: Yeah. But you know, so not you're trying to go to spring the crib, no, yeah. Oh, spring? Yeah. That's hey, that's something that that I don't think people know that.
1: Yeah. Was that was I, that
3: and was that the same year you was transitioning to offense also? Or had you no, already had already did a year
1: under my belt on offense.
3: Okay. But still, yeah. Just one year of offense, and then you missed it. Cause people don't realize you could use the spring to really springboard yourself to be successful in the fall. Like the fall, you just like icing on the cake. That spring, you could definitely make. That's where you win in the
1: spring. Yeah, yeah. And so, like when I came back that summer, uh, I just called John Gamble. It's like, dude, can I just stay with you? Like, Mm -hmm. can I just live in your basement? And so, I just lived in this basement. I worked out six o'clock in the morning with Big John. Then I worked out in the afternoon with but the rest of the guys and got myself back in shape, and you know, Obi had me watching tons of film and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I did. I couldn't work out with the team. Every now and then, the the lady would make me meet at the practice field, so I got to watch practice. I can I can see people practicing. I can see somebody in my position. You know what I'm saying? You just like,
0: yeah.
1: man, this is like, oh man. And so like, I was like, I have got to get this thing right. I don't want up. to go home, and I don't want freaking uh, uh, what was the Ken Plum? Take care. <laughs> oh, 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 so oh, what were oh. you what
3: were you at on the depth chart when you returned wow. for the for the fall? What were you at on the depth chart?
1: Oh oh dude, like I'm not even gonna I hate to brag, but like those dudes yeah. couldn't touch me. I was right back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
3: just you just the first day you started yeah. slapping people again. Up there you go. Never mind, oh, yeah. put him
0: back. Christ, he's crazy. It, and he's
3: and smarter dangerous. now. He's dangerous. Yeah,
0: he's it ain't pimping if you got it. So you can go ahead and call it what it is, man.
1: Exactly, right? And then, what do you well, mean? Too, he's he's like, been you know, doing
3: all this with a weak transcript. Now the transcript
1: is strong. <laughs> right. Got to play him. <laughs> but then the other thing, too, is I don't know how, like, when I was working at UVA and I would go to practice, I just didn't see, like, the intensity when you would have, like, the the individual period with offense line going as the defensive line. It was mm-hmm. always just kind of like, hey, let's be nice to each other. Like, make sure nobody gets hurt, nobody go to the ground. Man, I like, Coach Welsh used to have to make me and Chris Slade not practice against each other because mm. we would go at each other so hard yeah. that he didn't yeah. want somebody to get hurt. But that made Saturday really easy. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, tell like, tell Ray. Tell it, tell like when men, men, Slade would like, we would not shy away from going against each other and talking shit to each other the whole time. Like, it didn't really yeah. matter because I knew that he was making me better and I was making him yep. better. I was at UVA working and and they kept hitting the running backs. Remember those two little running backs we had? Um, (laughs) They are small little dudes when I was there. Uh, I can't remember their names, but they kept hitting them. And so, and Coach London was like, hey, don't hit the, don't hit the running backs. So I went to the offensive line meeting one day. I'm like, dude, like y'all got to stop these D linemen from hitting the running backs. They're like, well, you know, we can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You can punch. Oh, like him in the Perry
3: face. Jones and them boys. when like, they was
1: here. Yeah, Perry Jones. And, mm-hmm. I was like, you can, you can freaking punch him in the face. Coach London doesn't like fighting. <laughs> I don't care what Coach London doesn't like. You try to tell these dudes <laughs> to stay off the freaking running backs. And if you have man. to run the freaking eight miles, you're gonna run eight miles together. But kick their ass every time they touch. It's a mindset. Yeah. Like it's like like that's the type of like I don't I know that you don't want to have dudes fighting in games and stuff. But man, you gotta. You got to practice the edge. You can't yeah. just turn it on on Saturday. Exactly. It, it, exactly. Has to, it has to kind of be the edge. It, it has to be who you are. And then if you can't express that in practice, it ain't going to just come out in the games. It's, you know, it's just not going to happen.
3: You know, we call that, Ray, when guys don't don't set that tone in practice and then they show you something in the game, we call them sugar thugs. <laughs> they only doing it because the camera and the fans is here. They really ain't exactly. tough. They know it's going, you know, you can get broken up. Nobody going to go too far. Yeah. When people show aggression and practice and willing to fight, them real dudes. Because we all been there. Coaches want to watch. They ho ho ho. Let, let, let that go for a little while. We yeah, never seen them fight for bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see exactly. what everybody else do. And then the captain's uh-huh. like, ho, ho 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 He was late today. Let him stomp him out a little bit. Dude,
1: yeah. I'm at, like, that's just kind of part of who I am. Like, you know, it makes it tough because people will say, like, well, how can you be like that on the field, but you're not like that in person, I'm like, well, I, I really do value my freedom. So <laughs> right, if, right, I, if right. I acted like that uh, away from here, I'd be like I'd be like 20 to life somewhere. So well, I, right, I, right. I value my
3: freedom. That's the <laughs> best answer I ever heard right there. I value my freedom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's you know, why I play so, football. I so want I, to I assault somebody. Sometimes
1: at which I can express myself and get pat on the back for it, versus yes. where right. I can express right. myself and get cuffed for it like right. I know I, I, there's a distinct difference
0: <laughs> yeah hey I heard them silver bracelets is real uncomfortable <laughs> yeah I
1: know, right.
3: hey man these too tight <laughs> right I ain't trying to go through that
1: yeah me either yeah, like, yeah. I, like I, right, I said I right just I just value my freedom and uh yeah. and so I just know how to just leave it leave it in the locker room leave it on the field uh you know even even with my teammates like I fight my team one time uh we played Buffalo Bills I picked up a fumble, tried to run it. We were just talking that week too about I played running back when I was a little league. And so I was trying to show Barry like all my little moves. Oh. And uh so I picked this fumble up. I took like two steps and like Kirk Schultz, the safety, and Gabe Northern the the uh, linebacker. Dude, they blew me up. Ba-dow! Mm. Like probably five or ten yards out of bounds. Tore like tore my MCL, fumbled the ball, Ooh. back back onto the back back onto the back onto the field. The next year we at, in Detroit they shot, they signed Kurt Schultz as a safety. First day in pads. I pulled around the corner. Wasn't even the dude I'm supposed to block. I went right to him, <laughs> threw him to the ground. Ba bah bah just started wearing him out. He like he like damn dog like what are you doing? I'm like dude like you could have just pushed me out of bounds last year. You could <laughs> put your helmet right on my knee. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it, bro, that's how I make my money. You god. know? But I want this dude out. great <laughs> dangerous, bro. <laughs> what I do <laughs> last hey. year? Oh, last year?
3: Wait, time out. Yeah, dude. Bro. When he
1: when he came when they signed him, Hawk, I was just like, oh my god, like I I'm can't wait for pads. I'm, I'm getting him. You could have had
3: on shells. He was gonna pass. do the same thing. You didn't even have to have shoulder pads on. I'm getting. Yeah. Him. <laughs> His ass is done today, baby. I was just like,
1: this dude is getting it, bro. Like, Because he, you remember he wore that little extra pad on his Oh, belt. he wore the yeah. joint like Kelsey. Yeah. 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 And uh, that joke, I have a picture of it, too. Helmet right on my knee. I was just like, Damn. oh, I'm wearing this dude out, bro. I'm, I'm, nah, you can, you can just push me. I'm going to fall out of bounds. Shit. You know what I'm saying? That is As, as much as Barry I wanted to be, I, I, I look more like freaking an elephant just pounding the, <laughs> the turf trying to run the ball. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, man, I can pick up. We only needed like five yards for a first down. I'm like, I got this. I picked the ball up. Well, mm, mm,
3: mm. that uh, damn oh, gap closed quick. They like you say, boy, you can see the you see the whole I hole. started thinking to
1: myself, like, man, how do running backs carry the ball like 25-30 times? You know <laughs> hey, that's when you used to be like, hey man,
3: stop all that damn dancing back there. You got hit, you was like, never mind. I Damn,
1: know exactly. Bro. Hey, that's
0: all you want, bro. <laughs> right?
3: Do you whatever yeah. you
1: need to do. <laughs> no. Wow, dude,
0: that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Um, so then you know your senior year, first team All American, team captain, uh, and then you know all the accolades abound, and you are the tenth pick Damn. by the Seattle Seahawks, dude. That's 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 major league. That's major league. Did you, uh, were you at the draft? Did you go to come out of the green room? Did, did you have that whole experience?
1: Uh, well, they they invited me to New York, but I just had so many people that wanted to share the moment with me that it oh. just wasn't enough room to bring everybody. Because uh, at the time, uh, my girlfriend Beth, who ended up being my wife, uh, like her family wanted to come, and then you know, you know how the black families are, you got like yes, sir. About 30, right. 40, 50 deep. <laughs> right,
0: so all of them
1: wanted to come. So I just had it at my apartment and uh right down JPA and uh and okay. they had a camera uh in there and then the thing that was crazy about that morning is first of all the Colts had the first two picks. They said they're gonna take Steve Ventman, the defensive tackle out of Washington with the first pick. Then they are like, if we go to second pick, if we go offense, we're gonna draft you. If we go defense, we're gonna draft uh Quentin Corriott out of uh Texas AM. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there like, yep. dang, like I can be the second pick in the draft around this mug, Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I ain't going to the Colts, but I'll right. be the second pick in the draft. <laughs> and uh, so they ended up drafting uh, Quentin Corriott. And then uh, I get this phone call. It's a Dallas Cowboys. And they're like, hey, uh, we have a, a scout in the area that we want to know if it's okay if, you come, if he comes and watch the draft with you because we want to try to trade up the draft. Here. And so I call my agent. And I'm like, yo, like they want this dude to – Watched, the my agent was on his way to my apartment. He goes, "Oh yeah, let him tell him it's okay." So I said, "It's okay." Before I could even hang the phone up, the dude was knocking on the door. Damn! So he must Damn. have been just sitting out, sitting outside, waiting for the okay. Dude <laughs> came in, probably like six four. Probably about two hundred and eighty pounds of like three or four stomachs, hungry, eating all the food, cuz <laughs> like wow. let me like all the food that my mom made, <laughs> <on>. <laughs> all the food that best mom made. And like everyone's looking at this dude like well first of all who the hell are you like what and why are you eating like all the food bro and uh and so that was kind of weird well then every time a team would call me i'd have to let him talk to them and then they were trying to make a trade so the seahawks could trade up to get me and uh i mean for the cowboys to trade up and get me and nobody would trade with them and so then we got to the seahawks and they were asking me about um trying to agree to a contract uh before they drafted me but there was a quarterback, David Klingler, that was drafted right before me. They wanted to take his contract out of it because their contracts tend to be different. I'm like, nah, like if if we're taking an average of all the people in front of me, he's one of the dudes in front of me. And so that was kind of like the end of the call. So then I'm thinking like, dang, I must have really messed up because they didn't say anything. Well, if you ever watch the recording, the dude walks the little card up to the commissioner, and he reads the name out to him, and the name got picked up on the mic. And Mm. the dude was like Ray Roberts. And so then there was all there was all this chaos going on in my apartment. Nobody else heard it, but me. I took a knee right beside the right beside the uh, TV because I wanted someone to get a picture. So my name my name came across, and then, and then they were like with the tenth pick, you know, select so like Ray Robertson. We just all went nuts. Dang! <laughs> wow,
0: that's awesome.
1: Then I partied all night at Sloane's. Uh, me and Kirby and Slade and Sean, a few other people that were in town. And then I left for Seattle from D.C. at like four or five o'clock in the morning, got to Seattle to do the press conference. I had no idea where I was. Right. <laughs> I was about eight sheets to the moon. To it the was west. a day
3: walker that day.
1: Uh, and it's been ever since, basically. Wow. Wow. So how how was the Seattle
0: experience for you?
1: You know, it, it was uh it was. I like that we had a very tight team, even though my first year in Seattle, we were 2-14. Our okay. offense only averaged eight points a game. We set the league record for the most punts in a season. So we were, our, but our defense was one of the top 10 defenses in the league. And right. they never did ever, like, you know, you know, come at the offense or whatever. We just didn't have the pieces. We had Chris Warren and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, but <clears throat> the ownership was terrible. Right. Uh, this dude uh, that owned the team at the time, Ken Baring, was a land developer from California. He thought he was going to come up here with all this uh, raw land and develop all these communities. They wouldn't let him. And uh, so he just didn't do well by the team. Um, the, the coaching staff, you know, I think were, were the game had kind of passed them by because we we're still into that Raiders just chuck it down the field every right. pass play. And in, in the, the game had kind of gotten away from that. And so right. we didn't quite make that adjustment. But living in Seattle was freaking it's awesome. It's a great place to live. Great place to raise kids, a great place for schooling, great place for technology, for business, all those different kinds of things. You got the world headquarters of Amazon, Google, and uh, uh, Microsoft all, all in one place here. So it's right. a pretty amazing place to live.
0: Right. And you were there 90, what, 90
1: 92. One. 92. Until 94
0: or 5, and then I went yeah. and played in Detroit. 4 or 5. So I, I missed you by
1: a year. Oh, when you came to Seattle?
0: Yeah. I, well, we we oh, were we there together, right? We
1: played one year Yeah, together. we were there together. One year. Yeah. Right. And then that second yeah. year, that second offseason is when I left and went to Detroit.
0: Yeah, that second year offseason when I left too. <laughs> 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 not not by my choice. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> that's when I uh, I like
1: to refer to That's
0: when the game quit me.
1: <laughs> right I remember uh one of the one of the games you were still with Tampa Bay though and y'all came to play us and there was a mm-hmm. guy on your team I forget his name that that uh Beth knew my wife knew uh when they were stationed together in shape Germany when their parents were in the military and I mm. wow. I, came, I came to the locker room before the game I forget his name and I was like yo can y'all can you go get like whatever his name is for me and they're like, yeah, like, what's up? Just, I said, just tell him that Ray Roberts on a talk to him. He knows my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so the dude came peeping around the corner like, what, dude? Like, I know your wife. What are you talking about? And then I kind of told him the story. And he was like, oh, I remember Beth Garvey. Like, D-d-d-d. it was kind of funny.
0: That's funny, dude. Yeah. That's Ray was checking his
3: temperature. That's all. Ray, Ray won't slick. He was checking his temperature.
1: Oh, yeah, you know. You know. <laughs>
3: First play. And, and, it,
1: and it was like two hours before kickoff, too, so I wanted to be, be a little nervous.
3: Uh-huh. Right. That, man, that right. man could be on the sideline by the defensive coordinator. Ray going back there going to hit him on action. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs>
0: uh-uh. So who was the head coach when you were drafted there?
1: Tom Flores. Oh, so it was
0: Flores. And yeah, then you got one-year uh, one Erickson.
1: Erickson. Yeah. Right. Erickson. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. That, that was the thoughts? worst worst call ever. Yes. Bunch of frat boys trying to coach an FL team. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I will always always tell people that going to Seattle was a career killing decision for me. Hmm. Especially with that staff, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was it was it was was bad. It was I
1: remember I think it was the during one of the times, maybe I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. You were like you were frustrated with uh with the rotation of something in the secondary, I can't remember what it was, and uh, and so they came to me and was like, "Hey man, you need to talk to your to your boy Cuff." I'm like, "Well, why don't y'all put him where he's supposed to be? Then we nobody have to talk to him. He can just do he can do his work, and we can keep on keeping on." Yeah, yeah,
0: dude. It was just it was crazy, man. You know, I, I just felt like they lied to get me out there. Yeah. You know, and then I got there, and I'm just like, "Okay, why the fuck did you have me here?" Excuse that f bomb, folks. Uh, I had them flashbacks in Seattle just get that, just it get under my <laughs> head. Yeah, we see, uh, you know, so it was just man, it was it was bananas. And, and folks don't you know that's why I try to emphasize to these to the young guys that I mentor. I'm like, yo, man, y'all gotta understand it, it's politics, it's politics, yeah. it's corporate big business. The best people don't always get to play, unfortunately, you know, and so my thing is, yo, just. Let me, you know, what? Don't don't waste my time bringing me out here if it ain't what is what what you said it was gonna be, you know? Yeah, and it, it was just it was,
1: unfortunate, man. That that whole that whole group of folks were just they were just bad for football altogether. Like I think yeah. that Dennis Erickson like had a good eye for talent, so if he had been like head of scouting or something other, but trying to coach those dudes, yeah, especially yeah. with all that college boy stuff, and then yeah, and then like exactly. all those assistants that he had would just be out partying and stuff all the time, and it was just like – so that becomes reflective of your team. You know what I'm saying? Your team yeah. is not focused, people not really committed to what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. It, it was just – to me, it was just – it was a really poor decision to, to bring those guys in. But then after that, they got Mike Holmgren, who kind of got the ship righted. And uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, what it had to go through, uh, Jim Jim uh, Morris. What's that guy's name? His dad was a, used to be the coach for the Colts. Oh, Jim Moore Jr. Yeah, Jim Moore Jr. Yeah. came, and he was terrible out uh, here in Seattle. And then, and then, of course, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is, is the real deal. Right. No doubt. No doubt. So then how, how did you feel
0: leaving there and then going to out to Detroit? Did you feel like it was an escape escape from Alcatraz for you, or you were kind of disappointed to leave Seattle?
1: I was disappointed to leave Seattle. Like I just always, I had really like ingrained myself in the community here and was doing a lot of stuff in the city of Seattle. And so I just felt like this is where I wanted to be like for my whole career. Uh, and then uh, back then they had the transition tag and the franchise tag. So like the franchise tag was like an average of like the top five positions, of uh, people in your position and transition was the top 10. So I was a transition player for, um, for Seattle but I was coming off a, a, a knee, a foot injury. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so then they decided that they were going to go with this kid who was making like the rookie minimum of like 150 grand versus paying me the the average of the top 10. And so they, I think they thought I was damaged goods and couldn't play anymore because my ankle was so jacked up, but, uh, but they were wrong.
2: <laughs> and right. I, always,
1: I always tell people that uh, because of me, the Seahawks got, Walter Jones, because they, they had the dude that they tried to replace me with. He didn't work. They drafted two more dudes to replace me. Those dudes didn't work. And then they finally hit the home run with, with uh, yeah, Walter yeah. Jones, uh, all in the attempt to, to replace me. That's why I, that's why I pumped myself up anyway about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But when I got to Detroit, the cool thing about Detroit, though, I got there, Mikowski was there, Herman was there, Greg Jeffries was there. um uh, Matt Blunden ended up coming there. Yeah, he no uh, Dwayne Ashman ended up coming there. Uh, Chris Harrison ended up coming there. Uh, Crowell ended up coming there. Mm-hmm. So it was like we had like UVA North, dude, and it was just like all of us were like major contributors to the team. And so that's what on my on my visit to to Detroit, I hung out with Herman. You know how Herman is. Herman ain't gonna sugarcoat anything. And right. uh, so Herman just kind of told me what it was like and what it was. And so. I thought, man, if they if, if the defense comes around, we're gonna always be able to score. But if the defense comes around, I have a legitimate shot of going to the Super Bowl. And right. and I'm gonna get to do it with some other UVA dudes. And so that was like that was kind of like my determining factor of uh, going to Detroit. How okay. many
3: uh totals total
1: words did Barry say to you in all the years playing with him? <laughs> <laughs> Well you have to you have to be able, you know, you have to be able to tell the difference between when he goes, uh and uh, you got to be able to know the difference tones. Yeah. So, like, right. so Barry and I were like the team captains, and they would always want us to you know meet with the team. And I'm like, all right, Barry, like we need to say something. And he'd be like, no, you got it. I'm like, dude, you're the teacher all the same, they ain't gonna listen to me. And he's he's like, no, you got it, man. And so I get up there and I say, all right, guys, Barry wants me to tell y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> Barry said this, and Barry said and I would do every, every team meeting. I would do it that way. And then every now and then, Barry would get up and talk. And then Herman, then Herman, would be like, hey, Ray, uh, can you translate that for us? You <laughs> <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. They used to crush Barry all the time, dude. That's hilarious.
3: I mean, you went from blocking for, for Chris Warren, who was getting 1,200, 1,300 yards. Then you go to Detroit. You got Barry there. Barry ran for 2,000 with your second year there, yeah. I want to say.
1: Yep. yeah. Did two you ever stuff, find yourself, stats. like, let me
3: go ahead and pancake this, this mother sucker so I could see Barry dance? Like, well, the
1: thing is, when I first got there, I think I may have tackled Barry more than the defense did, because I didn't understand the way he jumps around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be, I, I'm i on the back side of the play. I think I got my dude blocked off, then I go to block someone else, and that's when Barry starts to cut it back. Bam! I run right uh-huh. into him. And so I'm just like, man, like, I gotta figure something out. So now I decide, you know what, like, I'm just gonna block my dude until the mm-hmm. whistle blows. Like I'm not gonna try <laughs> right. to go get extra. I'm just gonna right. do my because Barry whatever extra there is, you know what I'm yeah. saying? right, so right. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> and then, um, we we're what we we're playing a game one time, and we just were not happy. we had no rhythm in the running game. So you know how you get the pictures, and so I took the pictures. I'm like, man, if Barry would wait a split second, I'm coming up on that linebacker. So I, I go, I'm gonna show these to Barry, and they're like, oh man, what you doing? I'm like, I'm gonna show these pictures to Barry. <laughs> They're like, man, no, nobody talked to Barry on the sideline. I'm like, well, dude, I'm out here bust my ass. Like, I need to understand what he's doing so that I can yeah. understand how to do what I'm doing. So I said to Barry, I'm like, hey, Barry, like, why did you cut back right here? Oh, I saw the linebacker wasn't covered. I'm like, dude, if you give me a split second, you hesitate for one split second, I'm going to cover that dude up. So you can get through the line. And then he said, well, this is, then he told me like his methodology around how he tries to set get the game up, you know, as he hmm. goes on. I'm like, well, that's good to know because that helps us, you know what I'm saying? And then... <clears throat> The next year, we started the season out. First two games, 53 yards. They call, They called us all in. Me, Herman, uh, all the different people from different positions. What should we do on offense? I'm like, dude, I don't get paid to do that. Like, I, I get paid yeah. to block. But if you if you're asking me, I would give it to number 20 until his freaking shoes fell off. He would. <laughs> you'd have to invest in oxygen. That's how much I would <laughs> give it to him. And then from that point on, we rushed for over 100 yards for 14 straight games. And 2,000 yards in exactly 14 games the way that OJ did. So because we finished the year with two, 2,053 yards. Yeah.
3: So wow. <clears throat> to, to, to go back to the Barry conversation, do you remember what was his thinking process or was it so advanced that it's like, all right, just give me a, give me a half a uh, second? No, it
1: was just – it was real simple. Like if we played a really fast-flowing defense, like mm-hmm. linebackers can get out and run and stuff, he would try to set them up like early in the game he's just gonna hit the front side hit the front side mm-hmm. hit the front side he might get two yards he might get three yards whatever but he's setting them up so that he can f- put his foot in the ground and cut it back and go for 80. you know what i'm saying so and so we didn't we never knew there was any method to his cutback that he just okay. cut back just cut back you know and then then there's other games where the dudes are a little bit slower so he he might just he might just cut it back just so that they can get used to standing where they are and then the next time he hits it on the front side and he's going for 70 mm-hmm. yards. And so like, just trying to understand that. And, uh, and now we understand that, like when we're doing our scouting, like, Oh, these, these are some fast flowing dudes. So We know that Barry's probably, might be like, you know, he's going to set up like a the cutback, you know, yeah. whatever. And, uh, but before they weren't having those conversations, because everybody wow. was like, man, you, nobody talks to Barry. He just kind of takes his helmet off and sits over there. I'm like, no, nah, I'm talking to Barry, bro. Like,
3: so would he, so, uh, so, did you guys get a better feel or will he come in the huddle and be like, all right, man, I'm going to start, I'm going to start dancing now. Like I've been hitting it. I got them flowing. Y'all, like you said, just stay on your man. I'll take care of the, yep.
1: the overflow. Yep. He would just, he would when he told us to put a hat on the hat, and mm. that's when we knew that he's about to do the Barry stuff. You know what I'm saying?
2: Like, so if, he just say, if
1: he just say Damn. put a hat on the hat, like you don't know where he going to end up. Just put your hat on the hat and just block it the the blow.
3: Man, yeah. I can only imagine being in the huddle, wow. bro, and Barry's coming there, the air club, be like, hey, hat on the hat time. Oh, yeah. it's show time. It <laughs> go. <goes. laughs>
1: woo <laughs> Hey, Scott, get the ball to him quick. I'm trying Damn. to watch. Go. And the, the, and the, the thing, too, is like – uh, the thing, too, is Barry could have had way more yardage. But when we were winning and he was having big days, he always wanted his backup, Ron Rivers from Fresno State. He always mm-hmm. wanted Ron to get some carry. And so we'd always get, you know, get Ron in the game and get him 50 or 60 yards or something like that. But that's 50 or 60 yards that could have gone to Barry that, you know, he could have blown the 2,000-yard thing out. And then the crazy thing is, uh, when he retired, I was the only remaining offensive lineman with the Lions that also blocked for him when he had 2,000 yards. Mm -hmm. And we were 1,400 yards short of being the the all-time leading rusher. So I'm like, dude, like, if you do that, I'll be the only dude in the history of the NFL the block for the all-time leading rusher and for a two-thousand-yard rusher.
0: Ooh,
1: <laughs> about a retirement though.
0: <laughs> Damn it, man! Ooh. Wow, yeah. yeah I want. I want to just go. I want to go back to your point of being in the being in the same huddle with him when he said, "Get a hat on the hat," because it's showtime. It sure must have been nice to be that guy, because it sure as hell wasn't fun being in the opposite huddle. <laughs> let, me <laughs> <be> the <same. laughs> let me tell you, know, you I, something,
3: brother. I was broke my mic, huh?
0: Man, let me tell you something, brother best running back I ever played against in my life. I got a couple of good shots on him, but man, there's times where I was, he he going right, I'm closing in on the back side, he see me at the last second, he move his shoulder, my fingers are like a half an inch away from grabbing him, and, and then he going for 70. I, yeah. I, it just, I've never seen anything like it, bro. Dude,
1: I, I'm going to tell you, like some of the runs he would have in practice, like, those are the film that you should see. Hmm. <laughs> this dude would do stuff in practice. So you used to be like, man, can we can we just get the film and watch that again, like, right now? Like, how did you do that? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then I got a point with Wayne Fonts where nobody could touch Barry, right? So Barry would come into the practice. The whole defense would be like, number 20, number 20, number 20, number 20. And when I'm saying don't touch him, when he come through the hole, you know, I sometimes go. Tag off. You know, These y'all, y'all tag off. All, yep. Well, no, you couldn't even tag off
3: because you incidentally clip him up and he fall. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> get out so, the and, fall. And Wayne Fonts was like Wayne Fonts would say, it, he, <laughs> "Our first team meeting, the fastest ticket you can get out of Detroit is if you do something to hurt number 20. He said, "If you if you do something to hurt number twenty, you will be out of here as fast as you got here." That's mm. his first. That was his first speech every single season. If you wow. do something to hurt number twenty, you're out of here. Period. How I
3: was point. it? Wow. How was it with the? You, the, y'all had joint practices back then, right? Yeah. And camp, how was it when y'all finally went live and that opposing defense got to see 20 full oh, black? Well, You know, camp a little different. Your legs still a little heavy. You still trying to get your bearings, and he different.
1: Well, Barry, when we, we practiced twice, I think, the Carolina Panthers, and that's when they had, like, Greg Lloyd and uh, Kevin Green, mm-hmm. all those guys, and uh, – But they had enough respect for Barry that nobody was and then Barry would only do like five plays. Yeah, he was was out. But uh, those joint practices though. um, uh, Kevin, Kevin Green and I would go at it because like, you know, you're veteran dudes. You're just trying to get through training camp. So you Mm -hmm. get to the season and those jokes is like really trying to bring the heat. I'm like, come on, man, like I'll slow down a little bit. Like, we ain't trying to do that up here. And then then they started bull rushing, which is like, when you're trying to shut it down as an offensive lineman, you don't want
0: people to- <laughs> You don't want to be bull.
1: <laughs> so, so you, ain't, you ain't trying to sit in the quarterback's lap and look embarrassed. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know?
1: Right. He right. tried to bull rush me, and I trapped his arms down and he mm. went to the ground, and I just freaking started nailing it. I got so upset.
2: And then, uh, you beat
3: up Hulk Hogan, man.
1: <laughs> and so he got up, was like talking all the smack. And I was like, "Yo, bro, this is not the WWE. That's exactly." Yeah. What I was. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we can we can take these pads off, and this thing will go down for real. Like like the hell with the WWE stuff. And so like even some of his own teammates are like, "Man, we so glad you said that, man." And uh, and then we went to the weight room afterwards. I'm in there working out, and he gotta come and stand up over me. And so I put the weight down. I'm like, yo, bro, like, I will bust your ass up with this 25. Sheesh,
3: like, 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 I don't fight fair.
1: Like, like there's no rules <laughs> in fighting, bro. This right. is not possible, right? You
3: know, like, 25, though.
1: Yeah, we we ain't, we ain't choreographing anything like WWE. Like, I'll take this thing Sheesh. right here and I will bust you up, dude. Like, I, don't, I really don't care. And then they locked him locks with song. He thought up. he was Hulk
3: Hogan for real,
1: yeah. He didn't you know, realize Hulk Hogan wow.
3: before Andre to John. He was he was getting beat down till the fix was in. All right, <laughs> slam him now, Hawk. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's crazy, though. That's crazy. So you, after nine years, you, you, it's a wrap for you. You move back to Seattle. You you start putting your head in the uh, the old coaching game. Right. Talk
1: to talk to us about that.
3: Yeah, how was that transition for you
1: so I actually did the uh coaching internship in 2002 okay. or one at one I think it was the summer of 2001 with the Indianapolis Colts so mm. um the guy the I think you guys may have saw my post of Howard Mudd offensive line coach that yeah. passed away yeah. um yep good, that dude. Dude, man. good dude man crashed, good on dude. A, crashed on his motorcycle so if any of you guys mm. are motorcycle riders be careful out there um But uh, he brought me in to work with their uh, rookies and their uh, first and second year offensive linemen so he can work with all the starters, the top seven or eight players. And so I did a coaching internship there. And one night uh, there was a guy who coached linebackers. I can't remember who he was, but he wanted to take me to dinner. And he's like, dude, like, if you really want to do this, like, he's like, "I've, I've lived in 13 different houses. I've had like six or seven different head coaches. He's like, so your family has to be really mobile when you have to be, you have to go to where the work is. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, yeah, nah, I'm not trying to do that there. (laughs) uh, So I finished my internship there, but uh, Brock Hewitt was the backup to Peyton Manning. And he said, yo, man, like my little brother, Luke, is back in Seattle, and he's coaching at this one high school. He has no coaches. So can you go over there and just help him? I'm like, yeah, maybe. So I called Luke. Hey, man, let me know if you need some help. And he said, dude, like, I have nobody. It's just me coaching everybody. Mm. I said, said, all right, I'll come over. And so it ended up, he was coaching. I coached defense, he coached offense. And then we started recruiting other dudes to come help us coach. And then that's kind of how I got into the coaching thing. I coached there for about seven years. And then I was a head coach at another high school for two years. And uh, I just always wanted to go to programs where the kids didn't get much, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, people didn't expect much of them. Because I would bring myself and then all my other NFL buddies that were on my coaching staff to coach them up, you know, and so we didn't win a whole lot of games because we were probably the toughest conference in the league, but we sent a lot of dudes to college play football. um, uh, And so that's why And I coached basketball too. I coached uh, uh, ninth grade select basketball girls out here and I coached um, varsity girls basketball out here. Wow. You see how
3: okay. he threw that in there. You see it through that in the curve All these football yeah. players always want to throw in basketball, boy. I tell
1: you. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> <so,
3: laughs> oh, nigga the follow-through. Hey. <laughs> that, thing,
1: that, that thing is I can still face up and shoot that fadeaway.
3: Okay. Huh. You yeah, like too. Mike Scout in the baseline when he was I, here. Like I'm, I'm up.
1: my vertical's about like this. But I'm but I'm the, but the thing is though, is like I, I had like at 300 pounds, I still had like a 30-inch vertical though.
3: So you, so you was a part of the legendary games at Slaughter also?
1: Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. No there's question. no game. No there's no games going down at Slaughter, and I wasn't there. Like, yeah, yeah, no yeah. Question. Nah. Nah, no, I was question. hooping it up, bro. The Dell and all of it. Like, yes, I sir. Play with the play with the the basketball team during their little breaks. Like, yeah. I was a hooper, man.
0: That's. What I be said, telling man. them that, right? I will be telling them yo, we had a squad, yo. Uh,
1: I'm not gonna lie. One year when we when we especially when Chris Warren was still there and we had Herman and like Sean and uh, what uh, Daryl Hammonds, I think yeah. we challenged the basketball team, they wouldn't even play us. Mm. Yeah, bro. It, was, it was
0: fire, bro. Challenge, fire.
1: we had, we had so many fire. dudes that can just that could just ball, and we we uh said, hey, meet us at Slaughter, like your five against our five, or however you want to do it. That's when they had yeah. like, referees and Kenny Turner and John Cardi yeah. was a point guard, like. It's like bring it on, bro. Damn.
0: Yes, sir. Ooh. Yes, sir.
3: I wish OCB was, bro, it was, it was, was around back then, boy. That would
0: have been nice right there. Bro, it, was, it was fire. It was fire. It so then had some after,
1: great runs at Slaughter and the Dell. I put you, I put it that way.
0: Mm. No question. So then after that, uh you got an opportunity to come on home uh to, to be the life skills coach uh at UVA for a season. How, how was that?
1: Uh, it was a little disappointing. Uh you know, I, I made some mistakes of my own, but just from the, the work aspect of it, um, they brought me in to try to give the players like a different perspective on what it means to be a student athlete, what it means to life after football and all that kind of stuff, because I had done a bunch of different things at that point. And, uh, and so when I got there, uh, John Oliver, the executive AD, kind of took over the position. I thought I was reporting to Coach London. And then I would tell Coach London, this is what we're gonna do. And then John Oliver would say, no, we can't do that. And so I'm just like, well, then then why the heck am I here? Like, am mm-hmm. I just a recruiting tool? So you can say like, we have one of our great players in this office, or do I really get to do stuff? And at that time I was looking for purpose in my life. And so mm-hmm. uh, every everything that I tried to do, JO would like kick it to the curb. Like, so I said, hey, like we should do this, you know, after the first year there, a lot of seniors were leaving, and so Coach Lundy said, "Hey, we need to like really tighten up our leadership." I'm like, "Okay, you know, it's this leadership program I can bring in. We can work that, and we're going to break it down between class, you know, first year, second year, third year, fourth year, and then we'll bring everybody together to talk like that." And so then um, uh, Don Oliver said that was too executive level for for our players. <laughs> I said, "You're talking about UVA players, dude," and he's like, "No, nah, that's just that's just too like corporate, like." I'm like, well, when they go to classes, they break down into discussion groups. When they come here to learn plays, they break down into position in groups. groups. Why yeah. can't we break down in our year classes and learn that way? And uh, and he didn't want to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, Alabama did it. <laughs> Alabama took all their every single one of their players to the same type of program. Auburn did it. I said, are you telling mm-hmm. me that their players are better like academically than our players? And so it just, it just got to the point where J.O. and I would like button heads a lot. And, and uh, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't happy doing what they asked me to do because I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. And uh, so it just didn't, it just didn't work out. And then it, it wasn't yeah. like London's fault or anything. It just, it was a, it was a vision that they had that they didn't really have structure around it. And so I had to try right. to build a structure into it as I was doing it. And that just didn't, it just that just didn't work. Um, right. But, uh, but I enjoyed my time there and learned a lot, just like going to the coach, to the recruiting meetings, talking to recruits. Uh, been in on the, you know, I couldn't coach people up, even though I did some time on the download. But um,
0: <laughs> right, right,
1: that, that's just in me. Like, someone said they right. need some help. Okay, meet me in the locker room at midnight. like same, bro. Yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> hey, dang, bro I feel you. I feel you know me. what I'm
3: saying? Meet me in the park lot. Like, I got uh,
1: you. Uh, but uh, but no, nah, that that was cool. And then I left there. I came, but you know, Beth and everybody, my my kids moved back to Seattle. And so I took a job at this place here called Rainier Scholars, which is a academic and college enrichment program for low-income kids of color.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I've, I recruited a lot of the, the young African-American men that were coming to the program starting in fourth grade. And then I did a lot of work with the families just on how to, a lot of them were single parent families that didn't have college education and didn't understand some of the rigorous academic stuff we were asking our kids to do in the fourth grade. And so I coached right. the parents along on how to. Support their kids and do all that. Um, and then I got this job with Special Olympics.
0: Dope. Right. Right, bro. You, you're doing the damn thing, bro. And I always appreciate, you know, for for us who have had the opportunity to play uh, sports, yeah. uh, I think the biggest thing is what we do in the community when it's over. Absolutely. You know, and I have always appreciated and in following you, the impact that you have had. You know, on on uh, youngsters that are that are coming up uh, with your wisdom, the things, you know, the mistakes that you've made, uh, the things that you've overcome, you know, same here, you know, the the things that I've overcome, because I think what what the the key is very key to have them understand that, look, we're not perfect. You know, right. But what we what we will do is we'll try to help you shape a path that, so that you don't make some of the mistakes that we made. You know, we you know, we we think we're doing it the right way. But, she, you know, we're human. So yep. you know, we understand that you will make mistakes. But, you know, don't make we won't we don't want you to make a mistake that's going to potentially hurt you for the rest of your life.
1: You yeah. And, and the other thing about that, cub too, is like people when you're like in a leadership position, like you try to stay positive a lot even when you're trying to tell people something that they don't want to hear right but there is positivity in telling people where you faltered and right. how you faltered and right. why you faltered because that makes right. you real to them right Absolutely. so like,
3: transparency
1: you think that that i've done everything perfect in my life and that's where i am then you don't think you can get to where i to where i am yeah but if right. i tell you like I almost fucked out of college, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. Then you go like, oh well, hold up, like this brother like has some of the same struggles I had, and he still made right. it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, this right. in, this in, to me, a lot of adults don't share that stuff with young people enough because they they feel even ashamed themselves to share it. But it's powerful to share because I can I can you know I have a, my son is at UVA, and I can call him up and be like, yeah, dude, like I drank and had a hangover and missed class too. Right? right. But that right. doesn't mean you get this freaking C on that exam. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, right. I still want you to- Don't make me be like not dead and dry down six hours. <laughs> see, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so it's it, it's important for them to not only understand how you succeeded and the things that you did that, that, that the outside sees, but they mm-hmm. also need to see those things where you failed and how right. failure is part of the process. And uh, right. so- there's a company out here that that I've did some work for called FNAO, which stands for failure is not an option. And it's not Mm -hmm. saying that, that you don't, you can't fail. It's just saying you don't, you don't stay at failure. Mm -hmm. You learn from it. And so when I, when I work with people, I I just always say there's either success or there's just learning how to do it again. There's no failure, right? right, Because even, even when it doesn't work, you're gathering information and that information should then inform you on, should I continue to go for that thing that way or should I do it a different way or should I not do it at all? And to me, then you win, right? So when, when, when mistakes become life lessons, they become wisdom and then they become, they become positive and powerful, you know?
0: Absolutely. One of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes by Nelson Mandela. I never lose. Either I win or I, I, learn, or I
3: learn,
1: learn,
0: you know, exactly. and, and, and that's, is. that's, that's it. And that's it in a, in a nutshell right there. No question. Yeah. So, and, and,
1: and so many times, like we try to protect people from losing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even in special Olympics, we always want to, we want to, we have people that want to put like this pillow down and let them land softly. It's you like, know? yeah, but you learn from falling. Yeah. You learn how not to fall. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, because right. right. when it hurts, you go like, oh, dang, one no pillow there that time. So I better figure this out. You know, yeah, saying, right. so, so our athletes are like, no, we want to fail just like everyone else because you learn from yep. it. But our yep. culture always wants to have people, you know, even some of our, you know, like I'll say, you know, even, you know, we talk about social justice and white privilege and all that stuff, but just privilege in general, like mm-hmm. the access and stuff that my kids have. Uh, I try not to put too many pillows out for them to land on. If they yeah. if land hard, land hard, and then we're going to mm-hmm. have a meet and figure out how we're going to, you know, go about it. Because it's so easy to say like, well, I want them to have what I didn't have. And then sometimes that means making it easier for them versus having them go through the, go through the freaking uh, rigmarole. Roar. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sometimes right. you just right. you just got to go through it to get it.
0: Yeah, and as much as we want to save them from scarring that knee when they fall, if they don't scar that knee, they'll never know they can heal. And mm. so that, that that that's the same thing. Yeah, that's your analogy with the pillow. Well, well,
1: well. There you go. Black Jesus <laughs> has
3: uh, arrived again. Uh, uh,
1: Oh, See, right well, well,
3: well, sing that oh, all I need him to do is go, ha, and if that <laughs> knee don't heal, ha.
2: <laughs> See, there, you
3: go. Yeah, there right. you go. You made Black Jesus arrive right there. Oh, <laughs> that boy came out with it. If you don't scrape that knee, you won't even realize how to heal. What? Let me write that
0: down. That's why we can't <laughs> rise right there. That's why we can't All rise.
3: All
1: right. right. All right. See, keep keep going. I'm writing that down. Keep oh. going.
0: Dude, you uh, got
1: a podcast called Sermons by Tony. There you go. Oh, see,
0: there you go. Well, look, we want to bring in we got a segment called Whose Fan Is It? And we want to bring uh Dumont Walker who has been on patiently waiting. And uh I think he'd like to ask Ray a couple of questions uh really quickly. So if uh we can have TW let Dumont
1: come in. Come on in. Who's I, I mute there. Who's I
2: Unmute your phone, uh, Dumont. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what up, yo. what up? Hey, what up? Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it, Ray. Uh, great stories here. And I remember watching you growing up, so uh, love it. Good stuff. Um, what would you say would be the number one thing to teach a young athlete? Um, it's Kind of just put on what we're just saying. Um, what would be the number one thing to teach a young athlete? Going, making that transition from high school to college. And playing athletics at Division One level is in terms of priorities, focus, you know, what would your manage? Yeah, you talked about time management, but what else would that be?
1: Yeah, I, I would well obviously the time management is a is a big uh, is a big uh, big piece of it. But the other thing is like especially nowadays is like you really truly have to treat it as a job mm-hmm. because you're you're doing full-time work and having to go to school. And so if you, if you come there thinking like, oh, it's just gonna be like this big social thing and we're gonna be like the big studs on campus or the, you know, the big time female basketball player, like you're gonna be, you're gonna be in for eye opener. And uh, because when I worked at UVA as a life skills director, the first year we lost four football players simply because they were just like, dude, like I didn't know I was signing up for this. Like mm-hmm. I have no free time. I don't, I don't have time to hang out with my friends. Like I'm like, yeah, bro, this is division one sports. <laughs> like if you, if, you, if this is not what you want, you better go play like D3 or NAIA or something like that, because it is straight up intense. And like the, yeah. the one thing I don't think that uh, people uh, take into account, too, is the pressure that the kids are under. So when they hired me as a life skills director, they uh, hired this other dude who's a sports psychologist. His calendar was so full in the first month, they had to hire him two assistants. Because people are like, these student athletes are coming, going, like, dude, like, the, the pressure to win and succeed, and then also academically, and blah, 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 like, they were just having a hard time with it. And so, just understanding that going in, uh, and then making sure that on your recruiting trips, that that they have those types of people, you know, like, so beforehand. Uh, and then, even if you want to look at it on the social justice part, too, like, there's a whole list of questions you can ask around that, like, you know, asking the coaches, like, you know, have they ever had people of color over at their homes, or why isn't there a Person of color that's you know on the staff in a certain position, or you know, do, are there any you know? What are the the ratio of uh, black professors and you know things like that that you can kind of you mm-hmm. know on that level that you can ask questions about and uh, and and just be really prepared. And then just from an athletic point of view, man, just be in best shape as you can possibly be because when you get there, they're going to turn it up a whole eight levels. Yes,
0: sir. So, yes, sir. Yeah. You don't want to go in, blind
1: if like Snow like did. zero shape. You're going to be. <laughs> It's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be tough to show you stuff. You know what I'm saying? So be in the best. Just know that the best shape you can be in is still not the best shape that you're going to be in when mm. you get when you get with the with the college team.
2: Absolutely. No, that sounds that's wonderful. That's perfect to hear. And then it makes me think of one other thing, um, two other things actually. One longer one would be: Was there ever a time we you guys were just talking about? Sometimes you fail, but you learn in those opportunities. Was there ever a time? and this is why I love athletics, is you did your best, you did all the prep, you trained your butt off at practice, you get out there, you played 110%, but then you just you – lose, you lose the game. Was there a time you felt like you gave it your all and you couldn't and it just wasn't good enough? And then how did you bounce back from that, that yeah. loss?
1: Yeah, you know? I'll, I'll give you two words. Derek Thomas. <laughs> 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 Dude, uh, the week before that game, <laughs> the week before that game, dude, I was lining up against DBs and all, all kinds of stuff. Like after practice, I would because I needed to, to get used to this dude's speed. And man, this dude was so fast. And that's back when Kansas City had turf, and mm. loud. The stadium was super loud, and it was just a long day, bro. Like it was it was a really 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 really, really long day. It's, they only gave up one sack, but I think the quarterback just threw the ball real fast yeah. the Other times. <laughs> like, damn, why is the clock not moving faster? I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking, like, man, like, I, at least I touched him. You can get the ball out your hand, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah like, I gave everything I had. Like, I studied film. I, I watched how other dudes blocked him that had success. I lined up against our DBs and safeties. Like, after practice, I would just tell them to get in the line, and then everybody just gave me one rush on their way to the locker room. And that way I can kind of get used to his speed. Didn't help. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I, I fell royally uh, in that situation. Another time was in Detroit we we're playing the Arizona Cardinals and they had Simeon Rice and Simeon mm. Rice, a very finesse player. And I could not get him to like engage me. And so he, I come out hard. He would swim me. I fall on my face. So we get to meetings on Monday. This is, this is like, I tell this story to a lot of people because, uh, in corporate America, they should use this approach every now and again. Hmm. We get to the meeting on Monday, and Coach Ross says, I want everybody, we're gonna all watch the film together. Offense, defense. A couple of executives had come down from upstairs. The training room staff was in there, like all the coaches, everybody. And and so he puts a game up and he has a little red pointer, laser pointer. Oh he goes, hell no. We're gonna watch. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna put this point on this one player on our team. He's a very respected player on our team. He's one of the highest paid players on our team. He's one of our team captains. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're not talking about Barry or Robert Porsche, <laughs> so <laughs> that must be me, <laughs> you know? He goes, so we're going to watch our left tackle right here. And so I'm just like, oh, man. And like, Simeon Rice is just giving it to me, bro. I cannot, he just finessed me all over the place. And so I'm thinking we're going to watch like two or three plays. We watched all 60 snaps with mm. him going, this is our, this is our guy right here. Ray Roberts is our team captain, blah, 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 blah. All this Ooh. stuff Talk, speaks up for everybody. But like, just get, and like, I wanted to just, you know how it is, Cuff Like, I want to just,
0: yeah. just go off,
1: like on everybody. Right. But I said, right. you know what, I'm I'm, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to take it, but yeah. that will never happen to me yeah, ever again it. in my life. You know what I'm saying? The only way I could then overcome that was just dive deeper into my craft like make sure that I'm on point on what I'm doing do better study like all those all these different things to make myself better. Uh, because I could have just wallowed in that because it was embarrassing in front of the whole mm-hmm. entire team. Uh, but I turned it around and said, Okay, if that's what you think that I have to offer, then I have work to do. And so then I went and did the work and then I probably got the game ball for the rest of the season uh, that year the offensive game ball but but that to me, like, it's a perfect um, uh, antidote, I think, for like corporate America, right? Because I worked at Microsoft and we would do all types of reviews just to figure out how to turn the water on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need to put the freaking spotlight on it and be like, dude, you didn't turn the water yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, just call it what it is. Let's, and then move on. And, uh, but yeah, that, that was a big moment of failure where <laughs> in front of everybody, and, oh, uh, and so the only way I knew how to respond was to was to give them the best of me, because in
0: that game I didn't give them the best of me. Oh good. Well, Dumont, thank you so much, man, yeah, for coming man. on. Appreciate you. Being a who's fan and uh great questions, dude.
2: Appreciate you. Great very much. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Appreciate Ray. We're gonna we're gonna wind it up with uh our last segment as we like to call it. Uh Shut the hell up. I am underdog where you talk about something that pisses you off, but you're gonna get over it anyway. All right, go. <laughs> Hold on, before he
3: gets started, yeah. I'm gonna just say if we if we would have did this three years ago, it would have been me because I was talking Patty Hawk was killing Barry Sanders one day. And I get a, <laughs> I get a goddamn a hey, a hey, hey, little bruh. I don't know if you are joking or serious but you, you need to cut that out, <laughs> so.
0: I do, I, do re- I
3: do remember that, I do remember that. that, that That's when that, I realized Ray was a dude I could rely on to tell me, though, am I going too far with this? Because I get little messages from him every now and then, like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> All right, Ray, this is what I'm trying to do, so don't don't. Hey, kill but me, you
1: do man. a good job, though, dude. <laughs> I, I, you do a lot of, I, I, once I figured out your rhythm, like you be trying to set <laughs> Jokers up, then I'm like, okay, I see what he's doing. But, right, uh, yeah. but, yeah, but I, I would say, man, that's kind of hard to, to think of. Um, there's two, there's one thing that doesn't seem very big to everybody else, but it does to me. And mm-hmm. I just had this conversation with my son the other day. When people say, uh, I could care less, it 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 gets under my skin because <laughs> the correct wordage is I could not care less, care less. Yep. because, because if you could care less, that means you have more, more of less to care. You know what I'm saying? It's like I've seen you, okay, see okay, you actually
3: okay. put that out there before. Oh and, yeah. And,
1: it's like one of my biggest pet peeves, dude. Yeah. It like drives me nuts. I don't even I don't I don't know. I don't know if I can hear people on TV saying I'm like, that's not how you say it. Like that's that like country
3: twain. They'd be like, I could care, I I could
1: care less I could, care so less. I could not care. Then I'd be like, Well then care less then. <laughs> Go ahead and care less then. Well I just said I could care less. I know. Well keep caring less. Like I don't know why I could <laughs> That gets under my skin too. It
0: does. Oh my Dang. god! It's oh it's, it's god.
1: real small. It's real small, but it does. And then and all then good. lately, I would say the thing that really gets under my skin is this idea that that uh, that athletes don't have voice, right? That mm. right. that all, only time you want to hear from athletes are on the court. But like, look at how much athletes influence in the community, in schools, yeah. all that. Like that's why I was on a call earlier today. And with the Seahawks and I was saying that I, I really wish I hope that I'm down with all the protesting and stuff and use the platform that way. But I wish that people would start like flooding the Internet with the stuff that they're doing behind the scenes. Yes. Because True. then because once you start doing that, then you can be pissed off that they nail it, that they're nailing, but, mm-hmm. you, but you see the work that they're doing. Right. They like player commissions and different players are doing different things. And it's like so someone needs to start elevating that stuff and amplifying that stuff so they can then create a balance with the because with really? otherwise you just seem like we're doing a whole lot of talking and yelling and right a whole lot of posturing you know? and mm-hmm. so I, w- I would say that that's kind of where like some of my my frustration lies right now
0: cool all right
1: okay well, hey, i'm
3: gonna I'm 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 add an addendum to to this segment for him that i get pissed off about because i've gained this relationship with ray when somebody talk about the best running backs in NFL history, and they got the damn audacity to say Barry Sanders never had an offensive line, and I oh. know Big Ray. I usually right. try to pe- be petty and be like, oh, so Barry had an offensive line? Ray Roberts? But he will never jump in, so – but I, I hate
1: that. Because uh, uh, I've, I've just been, been fighting that one for so long, dude. Like, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Weeks, that used to play uh, at UVA, he said something yeah. about that marquis
2: weeks yep, ago.
1: weeks and, and I was just like, nah, bro, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and like you just don't understand, bro. Like, like if you watch the film, like that, if you just watch his highlights, it's easy to be like, oh well, the dude has no blocking. Because that's the times when Barry said, get a hat on the hat, I'm gonna do my thing. Yeah. But if, if you watch like just our regular, like our games, and like when he's not getting, we're delivering him to the second level, untouched. Right. And then Barry right. does his thing, you yep. know what I'm saying? And so just because we didn't have like a shitload of – which they dogged us the year he rushed for 2,000 yards and only our center made it to the Pro Bowl.
3: That's oh, it. That's crazy. crazy.
1: You know what I'm saying? Right. We made it to the playoffs. We we broke the record for the most 100-yard games in a season, rushed for 2,053 yards, and only the center went to the Pro Bowl. Like, yep. that's just kind of – that's from people right. saying highlights and not really watching us play. That's jaw that, disrespect. That, now, that will get me hot.
0: Hey, <laughs> y'all heard it here, and you heard
3: all during the podcast – well, he don't play football no more, so he nonviolent, but we could be living. He used to be Malcolm, now he Martin.
0: Okay. So wow. Wow. <laughs> well, fam, so sure appreciate you, man. Yo, keep doing good out in the community, brother. Uh we love you and uh can't wait to lay our eyes on you in person, brother. It's precarious times we living in, man. But uh yeah. keep doing your thing, keep speaking out, keep using your voice and your platform. Uh, on the West Coast, and we'll definitely keep it, keep it, what it keep what making it do what it do on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, brother, anytime we can get you back on, uh, we'd we'll love to have you
1: again. Hey, man, I, I love doing it. Like, I, I've been trying for years. There's a brother out here named G. Scott who yep. does a lot of good work. And so uh, there's enough of us brothers uh, mm-hmm. doing good stuff on these podcasts and have good things to say beyond sports that there has to be an opportunity there somewhere. That has Agreed. to be like, Agreed. you know, some conglomerate or something there, media platform or something uh, because there's too many of us doing great stuff and the podcasts yeah, yeah. and stuff are a great way to build your own uh, audience and, and uh, be able to say things you want to say. So keep that in mind too. Keep that in your back pocket. During Absolutely. The season, will y'all start Absolutely. back up, you and G? Say that again?
3: Will y'all start back up once the season?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Too bad the pandemic was happening because he and I were going to do like a pregame show that was kind of like mm-hmm. the players' lounge. Like it's really cool setting they have for us. And we're going to bring in like, uh, we interview current players during the week and then have okay. that recorded, but then bring in former players before game, but with all the social yeah, distancing. Right. Oh, that's still so,
3: right. dope, man. That's yeah, still that's hot. concept.
1: That's hot. I like that. Yeah. I like that. But no, we should, we, cool. should all, we should all pull it together one day and just kind of see see what the possibilities are.
0: Definitely, bro. bro. Any, anytime you want to chop it up on that, bro, let's put a plan hey,
3: hey, and you and you know, you know the bartender always waiting for a tag, oh, oh, bro. Hey, <laughs> hey,
1: that's the greatest thing on Twitter. I ain't even gonna lie. Like, like sometimes, like I know we're trying to get gone, but like sometimes I will just troll someone on Twitter just so I can send them a shut the hell up juice. Like that's all, that's the only thing I'm trying to do. <laughs> I see my
3: phone go off. They be like Ray. I say, uh oh, let me get, hey, let me get my juice ready. I just bro, like, dude, Like, you when I see see you try that juice.
0: When I, see you try I that love so, you, hey, And he just
3: so did awesome. it one day off the cuff. He was like, "Hawk, I, hey, hey, man, can you just serve them for me?" And I did it like within like a minute. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he just was like bartender, and he just at me, and I was just like, <laughs> "What do you mean?" Oh, I know what he mean. And for you know it, bro Ray just kept going. After it dude, was one thing lady is, that it's he like was it's one like day. once that once
1: that juice slide up like that,
3: it's yeah. like.
1: Nothing else you can say like i don't right. care what your argument. even if you think you can win the argument you would be like man i'll get at him tomorrow like right. dude, i just got the juice you know what I'm saying? he get like,
3: nowhere here hold this
1: i know exactly <laughs> it's just like, so like sometimes i'll just be sitting here like man like i'll just get on twitter i'll be like let me, let me see somebody say something stupid <laughs> oh, good one. Hashtag Shadella Juice. Bartender, you know what to do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did he leave the change though, man? Now you got the gift of the change though. That's right. funny, man. Wow, wow. Nah,
1: good what? stuff, man. Well, I'm praying for you. Safe travel there, Cove and your, yeah. and your uncle and stuff. Are you going to Winston-Salem?
0: Yeah, bro. I, I actually just pulled up. I'm sitting in front of my oh, okay. house now.
1: Well, so, uh, I'll keep you in the prayers, man. And then, uh, Hawk, man, keep doing what you're doing. I hey, love the, the, the basketball stuff you do in the community with all the kids and the young folks and uh, getting out and the, the jogging thing through the community, man. Like, that is such a powerful, like, amazing uh, message compared to where that place was two years, you know, three or yeah, four years absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Like,
2: it's unbelievable. Nah. And, uh, hey, man, and I, I don't think enough people bro. really
1: see it and understand what's happening. Yeah, man, just trying to just
3: trying to do my part, man. Like when we crossed paths, when you were here, that that was that was that was a gift to me because I got to, you know, break bread with not only a a guy that's legendary, but just a great human being. And, you know, all jokes aside, like when you send me those and Cub do it, too, when y'all send me those indirect messages, I know I got great accountability brothers that let me know, like, hey, man, you you might want to move different in this situation. and it's never failed me. So that's why I, I love that you Iron guys are, time, are with this journey with me because I know you will never steal me wrong. And oh, yeah. I never take offense nope. if it nope. feels like it's harsh because I know it's coming from a place of love. So anytime I could get on the home with you and break bread with you, it's prices, man. So
0: it's much Perfect. appreciated.
1: I appreciate it, man. Well, y'all keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate it having me on.
0: Yes, no sir. doubt. No doubt. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for oh, this ho, episode. Before he leaves. You gotta oh, talk man. to Matt Blunden because
3: he he said you reason why he he had to retire. Oh, so go ahead and I, finish. I go ahead and finish, cause we can't on. let him retort. Go ahead finish.
2: Go. I, no, gonna,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are getting ready to end this show right now. No, nah, no. Nah, let me let me tell this story. <laughs> let me tell this story. Right, so going. this your fault. So where's my fault? fault? Okay. I ain't, hey, go ahead, Ray. I ain't going to ain't going to fight, Ray. We're, we're in Detroit. And uh, Scott Mitchell or Charlie Batch, one of the two get hurt. Both of them. I think we're playing uh, the Redskins maybe at Mm -hmm. at the Redskins stadium. And uh, (laughs) Ken Harvey is a dude that I'm having to block. The dude has like, makes all uniform team on any era. Dude had guns that they're just perfect, like really good pass rusher. Uh, And I wasn't like quite down with Matt's cadence. And so (laughs) (laughs) I was a split second late off the ball. And I turned and I just dove and I just I hit the dude in the hips like hard as I can, just trying to push him around, Matt. Uh-huh. Him right to Matt. Hit Matt. Matt throws the ball. I think it was a pick six or something. And then Matt never got in the game again. Never. Well,
3: according, according to other sources, you didn't even hit a snap. You stayed in your stance.
1: Oh no, I didn't stay in my <laughs> stance. I was, I, I was laid out of that mud. I ain't gonna lie. Like my feet were in concrete, bro. You know what's? You know what's even more funny than that? When when I moved to Charlottesville, uh, my daughter Reagan was at uh, math class at Monticello. Uh-huh. Matt was in the class observing another teacher. Oh. Didn't didn't know that we're in town. I don't think he knew Reagan was even my daughter. And he kept looking at Reagan. He goes like, "You look like somebody I know." And she goes, "Well, my dad is Ray Roberts." And he goes, "Let me tell you a story." <laughs> he told the story to the whole class.
0: Oh, and
1: I was just like. I'm like, damn, Matt. Like, why you like, like one play? I protected you for your whole college career. You didn't throw yep. interceptions. ACC player of the year. And then you just <laughs> call me out in front of the whole classroom. My daughter's dang. like, Dad, did you did uh you you got Matt Blunden sacked? And he never played again.
3: Damn. What have you? Hey, Jada Jackson, what have you done for me lately? That's what he was living by, huh? You yeah, get was. all the good, one bad, and that's all one I'm known for, Matt, I God like, dang
1: it. <laughs> but you know what? I take it. He's my guy.
3: <laughs> hey man, well we're gonna awesome. let the people know. Ray Roberts, out of all the years he played in the NFL, was one year where he didn't block for a thousand yard rusher. Think about
0: that. Right. Every single that's that's, that's that's getting it done. That's getting, that's it, getting done. it done. That's so that's how we remember you, Ray. They can't I'm race, no race doubt, race, Ray. They can't no race doubt, race. no doubt. All right, well, fans, we really gonna get out of here this time. I promise. This yep. has been this episode of the lockdown featuring Tico ball hawk. Hold on, I got one more. No, I'm saying. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) And the man, the myth, the All-American, Ray Roberts. We will catch you next week. We out. We out. Peace. Anderson
1: takes the pass and sends it down with a tomahawk slam. This is what you have to the tournament is
0: about. Dio the last it In one. Jim Jaroah.